It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Welcome once again to another State Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, and I'm sitting with Michael Cohen, my co-host, both of us painstakingly seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you and I once again say good day to you, Michael Cohen. Good day, Don. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I love being here in the cold weather and the warm weather and the hot weather of Texas, and this is another entertaining week, to say the least, and cold, but worth it. What do you think? Well, I think we survived the Snowmageddon of 2022. <laughs> Snowmageddon, right. I think so. Uh, hopefully this is the first and last, or it was the first and last, and uh, we can get back to normalcy and 60-degree weather. But uh, let's get back to our program and the great topics you have uh, taught us about when it comes to state planning and government assistance. And today, you wanted to talk about executors and sometimes in your very expert opinion, they are not qualified to be executors. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Not everybody can be an executor. Sometimes you don't qualify. Uh, So first of all, uh, maybe I should explain what an executor is for those who don't know. So usually when you have a will, it's only when you have a will, in the will you name somebody to be your executor. Is that enough? No, because you have to apply for probate court has to approve the will before you're approved as an executor. And the word executor now, means to execute. Yeah. Your job is to gather up the assets, pay mm-hmm. the bills, mm-hmm. and then distribute according to the terms of the will. Okay. You have certain responsibilities. You want to make sure you do things right. Uh, and then just do what the deceased wanted you to do. You know, you get authority of the court to uh, be able to act, but you have to have the authority of the court. So just by having a will... Uh, and you say, a lot of times I'll get clients that say, oh, I was the exe- I'm the executor. Well, I said, oh, have you got the court order? No. Oh, then you're not the executor yet because the court <laughs> hadn't said that you're approved to be executor. Got it. So, this, and, and even if you do apply for probate, not everybody who is named as the executor in the will qualifies to serve as the executor. So let's kind of go over a few of the circumstances where you do not qualify or could be disqualified from acting as an executor. Okay. Um, first of all, let's say somebody was 17 years old. Well, they're not the age of majority. They can't be an executor. What happens if somebody uh, was mentally incompetent or physically couldn't take care of things? Well, they don't qualify if they've been determined to be disabled, uh, especially if they've been adjudicated to be disabled. But anytime you uh, do not have the capacity to act as an executor, you don't qualify. Or if you're a felon, if you're a convicted felon in any state, 
then you cannot qualify to serve as an executor. And I'm going to tell you a story in just a minute uh, because it's kind of an unusual situation. But uh, a, a felon, I guess, if you could either get your record expunged or if you get a pardon by the governor, uh, then then it's okay. But otherwise, uh, sometimes felonies cannot uh, be expunged. So, for example, let's say you have a DWI third, uh, then that's a felony. That cannot be expunged. Uh, so you'd have to get a pardon from the governor. If somebody lived in a foreign country, you cannot be an executor. Remember, I don't remember some time ago, I had a, a story uh, that I made up with the Gabor sisters, and one of the Gabor sisters uh, lived in, uh, I can't remember if I called it Zsa Ava or Magdala or whatever her, the third Gabor sister's name was. Mm-hmm. And he said one of them was appointed as executor of the will. Uh, well, they couldn't if they lived in a foreign country. You have to be, um, and even if you're, if you're living in another state, uh, let's say you're in Oklahoma, you're the executor, your name is an executor, even though you live in, Oklahoma, and uh, uh, the deceased lived in Texas. Can the Oklahoma resident be an executor? Well, the answer is yes, but only if they name somebody to be the resident agent for service of process. Now, we do that all the time. It's no big deal. So in other words, typically they say, okay, if there's going to be a lawsuit, all right, we'll name the attorney or somebody else as the agent to accept service for a lawsuit. But unless you do that, you cannot be the executor uh, if you live in a different state. Otherwise, you can be an executor uh, under Texas law. Now, laws are different from state to state. So in other states, they might say, no, if you're not a resident of our state, you can't be an executor, period. In Texas, you could be, just that you have to have somebody accept a lawsuit service for you. Okay. Um, a corporation who's not authorized to act as a fiduciary in Texas also could not uh, be an executor. But, you know, a lot of times banks are executors, so uh, they're fiduciaries, so they could do that. Um, so, in fact, I'm, a lot of times, uh, right now I'm talking with a client, and there's nobody in their family that she doesn't either trust or feel comfortable with, and so we're talking to various banks on what their fees would be. Of course, with banks, there's going to be usually they'll have published fees for what their charges are for either acting as an executor or trustee. A lot of times, it depends on what the size of the estate may be. Uh, so sometimes they can't, um, but sometimes corporations cannot be a uh, trustee. And last but not least, a person who the court thinks is unsuitable. You know, maybe there's a conflict. Uh, of interest of some sort, maybe there, you know, there's some things that, that is brought to the court's attention that they're uh, doing something that's not in the best interest of the estate, or certainly if they do some uh, things that are self-dealing, they could be even removed as an executor, even if they hmm. have been appointed as executor. Uh, so now, having said that, I'm going to tell you a story, uh, just to kind of give you an example. Of what happens if there is no executor? All right, so here's the story. Wife names husband as executor, and then she names son number one as alternate executor and son number two as second alternate executor. Well, 
husband number one, wife dies, but husband's already dead. Well, obviously he can't be an executor. I didn't mention that in my list. <laughs> if you're dead, you can't be an executor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't think that that would need to be explained. Uh, the second thing was the first alternate executor was convicted of a felony oh. that could not be expunged. So mm-hmm. he could not be a, an executor. The third one, unfortunately, is disabled. And so now he, unfortunately, he's physically, has mental capacity, can't handle it because of his physical limitations. And so he cannot be the executor. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you don't have any body left named in your will as the executor? How can you act? Now, I should mention that there's two different ways to handle things. That's independent of court supervision and dependent upon court supervision, which means if it's independent, you could act independently, sell things, distribute things, minister the estate. If you're dependent, you have to get the court approval, and it's much more difficult. So in this case, if you could get the approval of all the – it's usually the approval of all the uh, – the, what we call devisees, the heirs, legatees, um, the people who stand to benefit from the will, basically. Um, any of those people, uh, heirs are usually if you don't have a will. Uh, so sometimes even if you do not have a will, you could have the all the parties agree, all the heirs agree, to point to appoint what's called an independent or dependent administrator. So what that means, if it's independent, you're independent of court supervision, and if it's dependent, you're not. So then you want to sell the house, you got to get court approval. You want to do this, you have to get court approval. You may have to have an annual accounting, whatever, So uh, or have some sort of inventory of some sort, of course. Uh, so uh, the bottom line is, uh, what will the parties agree? In this case, uh, if you let's say that the a uh, person was disabled and they were an outright beneficiary. If they're an outright beneficiary and they're, let's say, they're mentally disabled, then the court's going to require that you appoint a guardian for that disabled individual to be able to give the authority to agree to appoint an administrator. You know, here I'm going through all these different rules. It, it, the estate code, the estate's code, you know, there's the old expression where there's a will, there's a way. Well, in the estate's code, the Texas estate's code, basically that's what they're doing. They're saying, okay, if this happens, well, you got to kind of follow the map, the law, and the rules. And so they tell you, if this happens, uh, so in this case, if that person had been an outright beneficiary, then uh, they would have to seek guardianship over him if they didn't have a guardian already. But in this case, there was a trust for this ch- for this uh, child that's disabled. So a distributee would be the trust, not him individually. So you could have the trustee of the trust act on behalf of acting as the distributee. So that means that the trustee of the trust and the individual who's the other individual beneficiary could agree on appointing somebody else as the and if uh, the administrator of the estate. So now you get what's called letters of administration as opposed to letters testamentary. So if you had the if you're an executor and you're approved, then you could get 
what's called letters testamentary. If you uh, don't have an executor uh, that could be approved, then you get letters of administration. Or if you don't have a will at all, you could have uh, the heirs agree to appoint an independent or dependent administrator. Wow, my goodness, all these these woven rules. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's just kind of like, so you have to kind of, kind of look at what your circumstances are and see how you could do it. So in this case, we may have the distributees, the trustee of the trust, and the other individual beneficiary choose somebody that's trustworthy. There's even in the code, it even tells you the order of who could be chosen. <laughs> so, you know, closer family members, et cetera, et cetera, and it goes down the line. Uh, but basically, they can pick anybody who's independent that, you know, is, could act in good faith. Uh, so as long as they're qualified as well, of course. <laughs> So it, it so so the rules the estates code tells you what you could do. Now if you don't, if it's dependent, it's a lot more difficult because then you have to tell all the assets uh, of the estate. You have to get the court approval to create the administration, uh, the you know the independent administration or dependent administration. You have to not only tell what the assets are, what all who all the uh, creditors are, what the amount of the debts are, what the value of the assets are, what the basis was. A lot more stuff. And then, if, of course, if it's dependent, again, as I said before, you have to get the court approval. Mother, may I, court, may I do this? And it's a much lengthier process. So that's why it's really good to not have to have the, at least have a will if you don't have a trust. Of course, if you have a trust, you avoid all this to begin with because um, because you don't go to, if, if you put all the assets in a trust, then you avoid all the probate. When you have a will, you have to go by the rules of the state's code. If you have a trust, you make your own rules. Uh, by the way, under, you might find it interesting, one final comment, that uh, under Texas law, you're not necessarily, there's no rule disqualifying uh, a felon from being acting as a trustee. Whereas it is, if you're a fiduciary, like a, a, a guardian or an executor or administrator, uh, you cannot be a convicted felon unless it's expunged or the governor pardoned you. What's the difference? No, yeah, what, meaning why would a trustee, why could they be a trustee, but not? Oh, you could. There's no hmm. Texas law that prohibits it. Hmm. It may not be a good idea. In other states, they do prohibit a trustee from being a convicted felon. Now, let me just say this. In a lot of the trusts that we do, we put in our definitions that somebody cannot act as a trustee if they are, you know, have, we go through about 20 different things, including... Right convicted of felony or whatever, or a crime of moral turpitude, or, you know, also, or if they're, dis, you know, disabled, et cetera. Although sometimes they want people who are in that unusual situation that they want that person to act, uh, but that's generally not a good idea. Unbelievable. It's so complicated. There's so many parts of the body uh, when it comes to someone's estate plan, and each piece of the puzzle is very important, and without that, it can be incomplete. But who would have thought um, that the executor could be challenged? And uh, most people just assume, as you said right from the beginning of the program, that, well, this is the executor, and that's that. It's my state, so I get to call the shots. But I guess sometimes the state wants to protect, I guess, the the estate or the beneficiaries. And, and, And this sounds like that is the case. Would you agree, Michael? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to protect and make sure the assets of the estate are protected for the beneficiaries as intended by the deceased. That's tough. Well, again, it's so complicated. It's all the more reason why you should attend Michael's next online workshop. It is a uh, virtual workshop via Zoom, so you never have to leave your home. And you can uh, participate in the workshop in person uh, and ask a particular question about your circumstances that you're not satisfied with based on what others have told you, experts have told you, you've read online or other. And the next workshop is coming up. It's Saturday, February the 12th at 10 o'clock in the morning. So, again, you can sleep in and then just um, grab a cup of coffee and jump online at 10 o'clock via Zoom and attend this estate planning essentials workshop that Michael's been doing for years and years. And, Michael, tell everyone what happens at those workshops. And they're free, of course. We ask people what they want to know. Is it about wills? Is it about trust? Is it about powers of attorney? Is it about Medicaid? Is it about veterans' benefits? Is it about uh, some laws that have just passed? Is it about what's going on in Congress? Could it be <laughs> about is there any state laws that are changing? Is there any, you know, it? you never know what people are going to ask. Uh, is it something to do with uh, laws that change with COVID? You know, you never know. Is it something about a living will? Is there special provisions that people put in because about a resuscitator or something? Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's anything that people want to ask about. You never know. The questions at each workshop are different. So each workshop is different because I never know what the questions are going to be. And so I ask what you want to know. And then I answer those questions within the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. When I say estate planning, it could be also about public benefits because I'm an elder law attorney as well. Uh, and so we just see what people are, that what they want to what they want to know about that is, and uh, we proceed to answer those questions. You're going to learn something from the questions that other people ask. Uh, we will have a presentation as well, so to give some of the basics on this estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, to kind of get a further understanding uh, about the, some of the basic things, whether it be about wills or trust or Medicaid. And then uh, and in that meantime, we'll either ask, answer your questions either before or during or after that presentation. Uh, it's a workshop, not a seminar, because we want it to be interactive. As you said, it's by Zoom. We tell people how easy it is to get on Zoom we, if you don't haven't done it before, don't worry. We'll instruct you. It's very simple, uh, and like you said, it's from the comforts of your own home. You know, you, you can see you can see you if you want us to be seen or if you want to be heard. That's fine too. And if you don't want to be and just want to listen, that's fine as well. You'll you'll find that you're going to learn something. You're going to find that uh, your the time is going to fly by. And number three, uh, I think you'd see that you're going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Uh, and, I, I, you know, that's generally what the experience, I think, is and I hope is. If you go to that free estate planning essentials workshop also, which you could go to by simply signing up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or calling us at 214-720-0102, that's 214 you will also be entitled to a free, what we call, vision meeting. So then if you didn't want to discuss in great detail your own situation, uh, or even if you did and you wanted to get more details on answers to your own situation, or you want me to review whatever documents you might have, then we also give that as a, uh, a bonus 
for attending the workshop, but only if you attend the workshop. So basically, you get three free hours of legal education with no obligation. If you don't do anything, that's fine. I'm not. We're we're trying to help you out, and we'll be friends. Say, okay, great, go enjoy yourself. <laughs> You're fine. Whatever. Here's what the option your options are. That's okay. We just want to see what your uh, situation is, and we're glad to tell you whatever our thoughts are, might be. Again, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do. Is called 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. By the way, a podcast of each of our shows uh, is on uh, can be found on our website as well. So you might if there's all sorts of different categories. Uh, it seems like Don and I we talk about a different topic on a weekly basis. I don't know in the nine years that we've been doing this show or so that we've ever even talked about disqualification of an executor. And last week, we talked about about nine or 10 different ways you could set up a bank account, I believe. And I don't think we'd ever talked about that. So, um, you know, every show is different. Uh, and so that similarly, each one of y'all's questions are going to be different because what's important to you may not be important to somebody else, but it's going to maybe trigger their mind on something that may be important. Uh, so each show is different. And if you want to listen to the podcast, just go to that website again, DallasElderLawyer.com. And you also can even see uh, our newsletter articles. And we had last, in the January issue, we had the top five podcasts and the top five uh, newsletter articles for the last, for 2021, the ones that were most listened to, as well as the, the articles that were, uh, the blogs that were most uh, commonly read. You mentioned the word trigger. Um, you triggered a question in my mind, and that is, I was curious, because I don't even think I've ever asked you this, speaking of nevers, and that is, what percentage of your clientele is comprised of people who want you to review their estate versus people who don't have a plan at all? You know, I don't know the answer to that because I don't, you know, there's so many hundreds and hundreds of people yeah, that right. have been done this throughout the years. It's surprising. Um, Sometimes it's really surprising about people who fail to plan. Um, just today alone, um, we had one person who had a has a let's say a ten million dollar state and has no plan at all. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Isn't that crazy? Now most people don't have that size of a state, but you would think that somebody with that amount would want to do at least a will. And right. we're going to be doing we're going to be doing something for them, mm -hmm. by the way, but. Uh, somebody else that came in uh, yesterday had um, uh, had the spouse died. Um, the spouse had separate property. They had a homestead. Um, you know, so a surviving spouse, as we've talked about on the show before, even though it was separate property, the surviving spouse has a right to live in the home for life. But the deceased spouse had children from a prior marriage. If they would have had a simple will, that property could have gotten that said house goes to a surviving spouse. The surviving spouse could have had the property completely uh, without having to get authority if they were trying to sell the property. Now, the surviving spouse is partners with the children from the prior marriage. You know, so now that gets into so for those of y'all who have children who's to have a deceased spouse who had children from a prior marriage, 
and the deceased spouse had a will, of course, you, you should only usually probate within four years, uh, then you need to probate that will. Otherwise, you're going to be partners when you sell the property with the deceased spouse's children. A lot of people just think, oh, I'm the surviving spouse. I get it. Oh, remember, there are laws, and you have to go by the laws. And if you don't probate the will, then you go by the laws of Texas, the laws of intestacy. So it's important to have something generally, whether it's a will or trust. And I'm not saying you should do one versus the other. A lot of times uh, a will fits, and a lot of times a trust fits. And you have to look at your individual situation. So that might be one of those type of topics that you know people ask about at a workshop. We'll, we'll just have to see. Which is true, and that's why I've changed the name to Estate Planning Assumptions Workshop, because that's what they are. People will show up and assume certain things. Thankfully, they're there to confirm their assumptions, and many times I would imagine you have to correct them, arrest them of that thinking, because it's ancient, It's there's new laws, or there's new strategies, and that's why God made people like Michael Cohen. Um, when um, my best friend in New York, with about two minutes left, Michael, when his father died, he made his son and daughter of seven, one son and one daughter of seven, uh, both co-executors. Um, what if one decides the other one's not competent? I bet that can open up a can of worms. Sure. You could always have a, an executor removed, especially if you could show the court that there's reason, whether the person is disqualified because capacity issues or if they're doing things that are shady, or if they're doing things that are in their own self-interest, oh, I'm going to, this car that the deceased had, parent had, um, that BMW, you know, I, I kind of think I'd like to have it. That $50,000 used car, yeah. I'll just buy it for a dollar. Well, what do you think the other beneficiaries are going to think about that? Exactly. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, re I'm removing you as executor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're not acting in the best interest of the estate. You're doing in your own best interest. So yeah. if you see some executor doing something like that, or if they're disabled, or maybe they committed a crime. We had one time where they had three executors as co-executors, and two brothers didn't get along. I said, let's check the records, the criminal records, see if your brother was ever convicted of a felony. And sure enough, they were, so we had them removed. This stuff can be complicated and dangerous, and you want your wishes fulfilled while you're alive and when you're deceased. And that's what Michael Cohen specialized in after all these years. So at least have him review your estate plan if he hasn't and or have him look at, uh, have him create one for you because pretty much everyone needs something just to be safe. We all own something and um, where you want it to go after you pass, I think is important to most everybody. I don't know about people like Prince. He talked about millionaires not having plans and Prince was uh, one of those who I think he had $55, $60 million or more and uh, no estate plan. And that's, that's just crazy and I think irresponsible in my opinion. And Michael was there to take care of that responsibility so that everything is ideal so that you can rest at peace knowing that uh, your wishes will be fulfilled. The way to do that is to attend Michael's next estate planning essentials workshop. To do so, dial 214-720-0102, 214 0102 will go to Dallas Elder Lawyer, Dallas, E-L-D-E-R, elderlawyer.com to sign up for his next workshop, which is Saturday, February the 12th at 10 o'clock online, free via Zoom, right from the comforts of your home. Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did
leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.